Hey, my name is Michael Hinnon. I'm one of the ministers here at Berlin Christian Church. And I want you to know, graduating class, that you guys and gals have a special place in my heart. And some of you might be thinking you're a weirdo because we don't, I don't know you at all. That's okay. The reason is because uh, my wife and I, we moved here in 2018, July of 2018. And as you know, you started your high school career in August of 2018. And so there have been highs and lows over the last four years, but you guys are the first class that we've seen in New Berlin graduate from freshmen to seniors, and here we are today. And so you'll always have a special place in our hearts, and so we just want to say we are so proud of you, and congratulations. Well, as we begin, yeah, give them a round of applause. As we begin tonight, I want you to think back, what was the first job you remember ever wanting to do when you grow up? What was the very first job? For me, it doesn't take very long to think back. I always wanted to be a famous athlete, and as you can tell, I have the body of an athlete. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be the next Kobe Bryant. I wanted to be the next Barry Bonds. I wanted to be the next LaDainian Tomlinson. You probably don't even know who that is. He was a running back for the Chargers. Um, you can tell that we, I look just like all of those uh, players. But I knew pretty, pretty early on that that probably wasn't going to be a reality for me. It was always in the back of my head. But, but it changed. My dream for what I wanted to be changed when I was nine years old. Because when I was nine years old, we went to a place called the Cosmosphere in Hutchinson, Kansas. And the Cosmosphere is all about outer space and rocket ships. And so I decided right then and there, I wanted to be an astronaut so I could be the first person on Mars. I wanted to beat Elon Musk to Mars. I don't even know if he was a thing back then. But, so I wanted to be an astronaut, but then when we got to seventh grade, I had to take a plas- class called Careers. And in Careers, we had to... I mean, we really had this as a class. We had to research careers, choose as a seventh grader what we wanted to do and why we wanted to do it. And so in seventh grade, I decided I wanted to be an athletic trainer. I knew somebody who was in college and he was an athletic trainer. And so I thought, oh, this might be cool. It's around sports. My, I'm probably not going to become Barry Bonds. And so I wanted to be an athletic trainer. But then in ninth grade, that changed again because I was playing baseball and I threw a baseball and my elbow literally broke off. And so I had to go to a physical therapist for five months. And as I was hanging out with the physical therapist, I thought, you know what? This would be a pretty cool job. And so all the way through high school into my second year of college, I wanted to be a physical therapist. But then, as often happens, God changed my plans. And as you can see, I am a minister today. And so my plans and my dreams changed quite significantly from when I was a five-year-old boy to where I am today. And the truth is, is that for most of us, that's probably going to happen or has already happened, where we have this ideal future, this ideal dream for what we want to do in the future, but then it ends up changing. In fact, a recent study says that only 25% of you, those of you that go to college, only 25% of you will find a job immediately out of college in the field you just studied. So if you look around at your friends, choose three of them, only one of you, if this stat is right, only one of you will go on and work right out of college in the field that you just studied. And so I think that what that tells us is that oftentimes our dreams, our plan, our future that we have for ourselves doesn't end up happening the way we want it to. And so what do we do as we begin thinking about our future? What do we do as we begin thinking about our dreams 
and our plans. And so tonight I want to leave you with two phrases that I think will be memorable for you. I hope will be memorable to you. Otherwise, I did a bad job. But here's the first one. Who before do? Turn to one of your uh, friends beside you and say, who before do? Who before do? Yeah. God cares more about who you are than what you do. God cares more about who you are than what you do. Go ahead, if you have your Bibles, turn them to Psalm 139. There's, we have some pew Bibles in there if you want. It'll all be on the screen. And it, Psalm 139 is about halfway through your Bible. The temptation for every single one of us is to find our identity in what we do. And for those of you that just are graduating from high school, you probably found your identity in something that you did in high school. Like maybe you're the person who got the lead in the play. Maybe you're the person who was always in band or choir. Maybe you're the person who always got the good grades. Maybe you're the person who rejected all of these other things and just did your own thing. Yeah, that's right. Get it, Taylor. That's right. But you would find your identity in those things. And the temptation is, is that when you go off to college or this next phase of your life, is for you to find identity, your identity, in what you do next. Find your identity in what prestigious college you go to. Find your identity in your good grades. Find your identity in how much money you make. That's the temptation that we all face. But I want you to know today that you are not what you do. You are who God says you are. Who before do. And so who does God say you are? Well, Psalm 139 is going to help us answer that question today. The first, first, six is, first six verses say this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So here's what I want you to know. Whoever you are, you are known intimately by God. You are known by God. I try and tell our people here that you are known and valued and loved by God. I try and, and just ingrain that in their heads. I tell it to them all the time. But you are known by God. He knows everything about you. He knows the good things about you, the bad things about you. He knows uh, when you're going to lay down and when you're going to rise up. He knows the words in your mouth before you even speak them. God knows everything about you. The God of the universe knows you intimately. And here why that, here's why that's important. Because some of you right now, you're in a season of exhaustion. You've been working your butt off for these last four years, and so now you're just tired. God sees you in your moment. Or some of you, you are just, you're excited and celebrating this new season and what this next step is going to bring. You need to know that God sees you. And for others of you, you're, you're scared of what's coming next. And maybe you're sad or alone. You need to know that God sees you. Your identity begins as someone who is known deeply and intimately by God. 
But not only are you known by God, Psalm, the Psalm 139 continues to show us that you are also wonderfully and fearfully made by God. Skip up to verse 13 in your Bible. Here's what verses 13 through 16 say. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was hidden, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So not only is your identity as someone who is known by God, but you are also someone who is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And that's so important to remember because so often you hear the opposite of that message, that you are not fearfully and wonderfully made. And so you need to get this special makeup or you you need to get on this special diet plan. And so the world tries and tells you that you are not fearfully and wonderfully made and I want you to know that you are. That God sees you and he loves you. You are known and valued and loved by God. I don't know about you, but sometimes, sometimes when I think about how I'm known by God, I just think to myself, if I was God, I wouldn't love a person like me. There's too many things that I have messed up in this life. There's moments when I feel worthless and unvaluable. And in those moments... I have to remind myself of what God actually says about me. Not that I'm worthless and unvaluable, but that I'm known and valued and loved by him. How can I know that? I can know that because of something's value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. Up on the screen, there's a picture of a baseball card, a Hannes Wagner baseball card. Hannes Wagner, that's from 1909. Hannes Wagner was a Hall of Fame baseball player in the late uh, 18th, nope, 19th century into the 20th century. And you might look at the baseball card and just say there doesn't really look to be anything special about that card except that it's an old piece of paper. And you'd be right, from 1909, but there's only 60 of them that are still in existence today. And what makes that card special is that it's in the best condition out of all 60 of those cards. And so what is that card worth? Well, what someone is willing to pay for it. And last year, someone was willing to pay $6.6 million for that little card right there. Is it worth that? Probably not to you, probably not to me, but it's worth that because someone was willing to pay that price for it. Something's value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. And what you need to know, graduates, is that you are valuable in God's eyes. So valuable that he became a human being and died on the cross for you. He took our punishment upon himself. He paid that penalty for you and for me so that you can know that you are known and valued and loved. So as you begin thinking about this next phase of your life, and you hear all these lies from the world, I want you to remember that God cares more about who you are than what you do. And he reminds you over and over again who you are, someone who is known, valued, and loved by God. The first phrase I want you to remember is who before do. The second phrase, he before me. 
Turn to your, turn to your friend or your neighbor if they're not your friend. Don't, don't tell them that, though. And say, he before me. He before me. And I loved what Hattie had to say earlier. Because so often when we think about our dreams, when we think about our plans for the future, it always becomes about me about my plans, about my future, about my gifts and my personality, and about my perfect calling and what God wants me to do. How many of you in here have ever wondered what God wants you to do in this world? Yeah, it's a pretty good question to ask, about 10 of you. So uh, it's a good question to ask. But when you ask that question, what can so easily happen is you begin to think that there's only one thing for you to do in this world. And it's your job to try and figure out what that one specific thing is. And if you can't find it, you start getting frustrated. How many of you in here are puzzle? You like putting together puzzles. Do we have more? We got like four people out here. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hate puzzles. You guys are crazy. Uh, It's just a complete waste of time to me. Especially when you get to the end of making the puzzle and you realize you're a missing piece. I don't know if there's anything more frustrating in the world than putting together a puzzle and then finding that there's a missing piece. So often, I think, when it comes to our future, our dreams for the future, we start searching for this one thing. And what ends up happening is we start getting frustrated, frustrated with God because we feel like he's holding back this one last puzzle piece to help us fit everything Together, And I just think that's a bad approach to how we think about our lives. That's a me-centered approach. Instead, I think the better approach is to live for him, to live for he, like Hattie was talking about. Life is not ultimately about me. It's about him. He must be number one priority in our lives. And so I think a better question is, how can I live for him now? What does God call me to do no matter where I'm at? No matter if I'm in high school, if I'm in college, if I'm about to retire, if I'm a grandma and grandpa, what is God calling me to do both in the present and in the future? And I think Jesus answers that question pretty well in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And here's what he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, And with all of your soul and with all of your mind, this is the greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So how do we live for he and not just me? Well, we love God, we love others, and we love ourselves. These three actions, they guide how we understand our present and also how we understand our future. No matter where we end up, going. What I want you to know is that every single moment of your life can be a sacred moment if you live it for he and not for me. And that's one of the things that Psalm 139 reminds us about is that God is with us no matter where we go and what we do. And if that's true, then it transforms how we live in the present and how we think about the future. Psalm 139 verses 7 through 12 say this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. 
and your right hand will hold me fast. I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as night to you. The psalm reminds us that God is with us wherever we go and in whatever we do. And so we should invite him into that space no matter where that is. Graduates, you can invite God into that space and create a sacred moment no matter where you are. What I love so much about humans is that we like to ask the question, what can I do to make a difference in this world? I'm sure many of you have thought that question, what can I do to make a difference in this world? And what I want you to remember is that everything you do, everything you do has meaning. No matter where you go from here, everything you do has meanings. When you smile at a customer, even though they don't smile back, that has meaning. When you are kind to an angry roommate, that has meaning. When you work diligently on your homework to honor your parents and your professors, that has meaning. When you teach a child their first letter, when you take out the trash, all of those things can have meaning if you invite God into that space. It's what some people call the with God life, living with God no matter where you are and what you are doing. And so I want to encourage you in every moment, no matter where you go from here, some of you are going to go overseas, some of you are going to go into college, some of you are going to go into the workforce, I want to encourage you to invite God into every moment. Because if you do that, he will remind you who before do. He'll remind you of your identity, that your identity is not in what you do, it's in what Jesus Christ has already done for you. You are known and valued and loved. And he will help you live out he before me. Living life for God's glory and serving other people. And by doing those things, you'll make a difference in this world. I want you to remember who before do and he before me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. Uh, for your son, and how he reminds us that we are valuable no matter what we do. I want to pray for these graduates, Lord. I pray that they would know they are loved by you. I pray that they would live in that confidence, and I pray that they would invite you into uh, every single one of their lives. Thank you for being a good, good father. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.